Welcome to Those Hard Conversations, a platform dedicated to discussing solutions to the issues facing our most vulnerable and marginalized communities. We use a harm reduction approach to explore practical strategies for positive change in communities facing undeniable challenges. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm Elvis Rosado. And I'm Clayton Ruley, and welcome to Those Hard Conversations, a.k.a. THC, the podcast. Um, we're going to start off um, with a little background. Um, you know, there's been many, many, many times, unfortunately, in this country, and especially in Philadelphia and other major cities in this, uh, in this country, um, that we've experienced, uh, you know, the loss of life due to gun violence. Um, and so, you know, one of the main things on this show um, uh, that we're going to, you know, talk about today is the ease of, you know, getting a gun. Um, and that can be through current legal channels. That can also be through illegal channels. So uh, a couple years ago, uh, while sitting in one of our favorite spaces, we actually did a list um, that I'm going to, you know, share with you in its entirety. And then, um, you know, we can break down uh, some of the, you know, rationale for why we uh, did this. Um, so uh, I present to everyone, uh, it's easier to get a gun than, and I'll start with getting to drug treatment. Uh, get into regular behavioral health, uh, get a driver's license slash state ID, get a birth certificate, uh, get a sandwich for a homeless person, adopt a child or adopt a pet, uh, buy a beer without an ID, uh, buy a house, buy a car, get approved for reassignment surgery, get a passport, get citizenship, get a job, have a baby, get a liquor license if you are a store owner, get certified to serve or prepare food, be a degree-having professional, get a good lay, <laughs> get electric in Puerto Rico. That's telling you the times because this was, you know, around the time of the hurricanes. Uh, get clean water in Michigan, a.k.a. Flint, Michigan, Detroit. Get a job if you're a felon, ex-felon. Uh, smoke a cigarette in or outside of a Philly treatment center. Those are all the things that we identified uh, as things that it was easier to get a gun uh, than doing. Um, and, and, I, and I'm I sure there's add... many more that folks can think about. So. Oh, yeah. Think about and I, those and send it to us. Think about uh, it's easier to get a gun than it is to get naltrexone. You have to jump through hoops uh -huh. to get naltrexone. You know, that's the medication. For those who don't know, that's the medication. It's Narcan at a higher concentrated level. And it block if you're an opiate uh, abuser um, or dependent on opiates and, you're, and you've stopped and you don't want to um, have a relapse, you get an injection of naltrexone and that blocks your system for 24 to 40 days to keep you from, if you do use, you won't feel it. So that's that medication, naltrexone, but you got to jump through hoops to be able to get that. So, yeah. And it's, and I mean, it's, it's, um, it's just something that uh, there's so many, so many things that are so much harder to, to acquire or to get than that. And I, I just want to throw some numbers out for a second, Clay. Um, so the U S in the, in the United States, there are approximately 50,271 more gun stores than there are McDonald's. There are 64,000 McDonald's. Yeah. So 50,000 more than McDonald's, than McDonald's, you know, you have, um, the largest gun store in America is a place called Hyatt guns. 
They own 7,000 um, gun shops. What is it? 7,000 guns and 20,000 square feet of display area. You have 3% of Americans own about 20% of the world's stockpile of firearms. That's crazy. Um, and then you have the number of firearms. This is ridiculous, man. The number of firearms in the hands of law-abiding Americans. You ready for this, Clayton? Three million, three million guns legally on the, uh, out there. I'm sorry, 300 million guns out there. And this is like, you know, not to mention the ones that are floating around illegally. You now have what they call ghost guns, you know, which are uh, basically you can, I mean, they're, they're starting to ban them, but you can go to a gun show and purchase a gun, uh, a ghost gun, and you don't have to register it and you don't have to do paperwork because basically they sell you the shell without the firing uh, pins and without the firing mechanism. So you can buy it without any questions. And then later you can order the firing pins and stuff online and it tells you how to put the gun together so you can finish building the gun. So now you have a loophole where people can get around. Once again, it's easier to get a gun than it is to get into treatment or, or get health care or get people housed or you know, a number of things, you know, I mean, it, it's easy. It's, it's easier to get a gun than it is to get internet at home. <laughs> and it's just, it just, you know, it's, it, it contributes to the amount of violence. I mean, right now in, in Philadelphia, we've already surpassed over 300 deaths in the city. You know, we stand to, we stand to hit numbers beyond what we've had in the, anywhere in the past right now and they're getting and the people that are dying and doing the shooting are getting younger you know and it's interesting because i hear people say i carry a gun for protection but you know you carry a gun for protection but you're using it because you got pissed off look at look at um what was it two nights ago three nights ago this dude shot this guy outside of Pat Stakes. And the argument started over a parking space. And it escalated. And dude ended up shooting and killing the other guy. You're now going to prison for the rest of your life, probably, over a parking space. Right. Now, I always say, I always say that, you know, you have to be mindful. You have to be mindful of who you are and how you respond, right? If you are somebody who who gets angry easily, you ain't got no business carrying a gun because nine times out of 10, you're probably going to swing at somebody if you don't have anything. If you have a bottle, you're going to throw it. If you have a knife, you're going to use it. And if you have a gun, you're going to use it. So common sense tells you, I don't do well in, in heated situations. I don't know how to walk away. Maybe I have no business carrying a gun. You know? What do we say all the time, though, Elvis? That it would makes make too much damn way sense. too much sense. <laughs> it makes too much sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that there's a passive aggressiveness with a lot of folks, you know, and, you know, using guns. Um, I've always been taught to uh, try to use my words, you know, uh, like a gun, um, not in that, you know, uh, not in that verbiage, but yeah. I'm very proud that, you know, up to this point, knock on wood, I have not been in a situation that I've not been able to talk myself out of. And I don't put myself in positions to have to, to talk my way out of a lot. Um, and it doesn't, you know, mean that I don't have confrontation. It doesn't mean that I don't have arguments. You have to, you know, as Kenny Rogers said so famously in the in the gambler, you have to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. Um, yep. I'm a big believer that those who feel like, you know, they need guns 
for protection, especially when you're talking about doing it outside of your your home space, which I can certainly understand having something for, uh, you know, a, a break in or something like that for protection. Those who feel like they have to walk around like it's the wild, wild west are typically, you know, trying to hide something else, um, trying yeah. to hide an insecurity, um, trying to hide a deficiency in some ways. Um, and then, yes, it is very important to know who you are as an individual uh, and what you, you know, can take and cannot take without having to resort to drastic measures. Um, but beyond the individual knowing that, I think one of the major problems that we have is that it's so easy to get this without, you know, I think combing through the individuals who get these these weapons like a fine tooth comb. I mean, the list was made in jest. I'm sure there'll be some people that will say, well, you can have a baby much easier than you can have a gun, but at least a baby takes nine months. Getting yeah. a gun does not take, you know, it doesn't take nine months. Um, there are, you know, not enough restrictions or regulations on who can get a gun and what the process is. If you want a gun, you know, in a very short period of time to do something specific to somebody or some people or some place, um, you can find it. Whereas certain, you know, practices that we have set up in society make it where it's going to take time. You might lose interest. You might, you know, have to go through some scrutiny and then, you know, you're going to get rejected. I mean, I can say it's easier to get a gun than it is to pass the SAT, you know? Uh, you have to pay for the SAT. You have to prepare for the SAT, you know, in some way. Um, you have to take the SAT and you have to find out if you pass the SAT, which will lead you to something else. I would think there would be some type of tests like a SAT or like you know, an ACT or whatever standardized test that would allow you to have something that could potentially kill somebody, especially if you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, shorthand firearms. I mean, it's one thing to say that, you know, you're getting a shotgun because you live in the area that has, you know, you know, f game and foul and you want to like go out and do some hunting. Maybe that deserves a different level of scrutiny. But if you're someone that's getting, you know, handguns and, and you know, semi-automatic weapons, uh, something that fires off a lot of rounds, to me, there should be the highest level of scrutiny because any mistake that you meet, that you can make can definitely lead to the loss of life. You know, getting a driver's license, you have to get your permit. You have to do the test for the permit. You get your permit, you have to wait a certain amount of time or and you have to do a test. They have to see you on the road. Um, it has to be renewed after a certain period after you get your license. I'm not saying I think there are a lot of great drivers out here either. But I think there's definitely more scrutiny when it comes to how they give out driver's licenses than the folks that we're hearing have guns. I'd be interested there's in statistics of how many people have guns compared to how many people have driver's license. It would not surprise yeah. me if there was just as many, if not more people in this country that had a, 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 a carry you know, permit for a gun as they did a driver's license. And that doesn't mention all the people who a drive illegally, but certainly have guns under illegal practices. So to me, you know, to me, the major uh, problem I have with guns is not necessarily that they are uh, around. I understand that there are some practical reasons for folks un owning firearms. The question is what kind of firearms can they own? Um, how easy is it for them to procure uh, items to make guns illegally um, from regular places we access? And what's the scrutiny uh, of uh, folks who are trying to do it the right way? Um, I mean, there should be a level of frustration with getting a gun that rivals passing a really hard exam for college admission or a really uh, hard exam for being able to drive another thing that can kill you if not operated properly in a car, along with all this other list of things, a liquor license for a, a business front. Um, you know, obviously water in, in Michigan, uh, you know, it's still like six, seven years later, there's still not clean water. Like 
that is a system that, you know, obviously has been a failure, but, you know, it's easier to get a gun than it is to fix a water line for a major uh, city in our country or cities in our country, a major state uh, in our area. So, um, you know, don't necessarily think that, you know, I'm, I mean, I don't personally, you know, own a, a firearm, but I understand those who do, and I'm not totally against it. I'm at the point where there's too many incidents in this country, too many major shootings, and you see the people that are doing a lot of the shootings, and you're like, how did that person ever get access to this in the means which they did? It shouldn't come from their father, their mother. It shouldn't be a hand-me-down. You know, there should be similar to like a uh, license and inspections in homes where like, you know, if something looks wrong, you can come in. Hey, you said you registered this gun in your name. We have to inspect that the gun is still, you know, in your possession. You know, um, if the gun's not in your possession, these are what the consequences are. So along those lines. So let me let me share some stuff with you. Right. Um, so Australia, Australia in 1996 had to pass a they, they passed a, a gun law. And they did a buyback, right? And they had had anywhere from 516 deaths to 674 deaths a year uh, related to gun violence. Since their, since their program in 2012, they only had, well, not only because one is too many, but they had 226 deaths in Australia. In 2014, there were only 35 uh, deaths related to guns, and there was a seventy-four percent drop in suicide related to gun with guns. So they they implemented a plan and banned, you know, basically bought guns back and changed the gun laws. Um, you, the you uh, the United Kingdom did this, did something that similar. Most of their most of their violent crimes, if any, and this is this this goes to what I was talking about earlier. Whatever you have, you're going to use. So in Europe, most of their crimes have been knife-related, not gun-related, you know? And then um, in, in Israel, it says uh, most civilians in Israel know how to use a gun, given that their country has mandatory military service for both men and women, right? But... This is this is my favorite because this is this, this plays to what you were just talking about, right? In Japan, to get a gun in Japan, first you have to attend an all-day class and pass written tests, which are held only once once a month. You also must take and pass a shooting range class, then head over to a hospital for a mental uh, mental test and drug tests which you'll file with the police. Finally pass a rigorous background check for any criminal records or associations with criminal or extremist groups and you will be you will be proud you will be that you then will be the proud owner of your shotgun or air rifle because even if it's a BB gun you have to do that. Just don't forget to provide police with documentation on the specific location of the gun in your home, as well as the ammo, both of which must be locked and stored separately. And remember to have the police inspect the gun once a year and retake the class and the exam every three years. So, you know, not only do you have to know how to shoot it, you have to know how, you have to take classes, you get, you have to get a mental test done, you have to get a criminal background check. You have to let them know where in your house you're going to lock the bullets up and where in your house you're going to lock the gun up because they have to be separate. You have to get checked once a year and you have to retake those classes and exams every three years. So it says Japan is one of the most densely populated countries in the world with 127 million people and the country smaller than the United States. and yet. In 2014, Japan had only six gun-related deaths. Six people died in one year due to gun violence. But here, there's this constant belief that, oh, you want to take our guns away. You want to no, know, we want to make sure 
that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing with them. You know, that you're not uh, 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 either leaving them around where kids are going to shoot themselves or somebody's going to shoot themselves. You're not leaving it around where it's going to get stolen and somebody's going to use it in a crime. I mean, they, they, just, just the thought, you know, just the thought that somebody went into Sandy Hook and killed 20 something children. And, and, and I, I think it was like seven teachers or 30 children and certain seven teachers. But the fact that somebody was that unstable and was able to grab a gun and do that, that's too much, e that's too much easy access. You know, we have some twisted people in this world. And, you know, when they want to make a mark and when they want to be remembered, they'll do something. And sometimes it's something stupid and reckless and hurtful to the rest of society, all because they had easy access to something and because the manufacturers of those of that don't feel that um, they should be limited or restricted. They, everybody should be able to own it. Now, mind you, you know, and you and I talked about this when we talked about the marijuana, uh, when we had the marijuana conversation. If you get a medical license for marijuana and you have a license to carry a gun, you have to give up that license. You're no longer allowed to have, you know, to be able to carry freely, you know, but you can own, a, you can own as many guns as you want if you drink. And I always say there's a, a there's a more of a likelihood that a drunk person is going to use a gun inappropriately than somebody high on weed, than somebody who's been smoking weed. They might use, they might yeah, they might want to use a water gun more likely. <laughs> For real. But um, it's about priorities, man. It's about priorities. You have a lot of folks that are hung up on the Second Amendment. They feel like it's their right to own firearms. Um, you know, they never read the Second Amendment, which mentions, you know, being a part of a well-regulated militia being the major reason why people haven't uh, should have rights to firearms. Um, and they also don't consider the fact that the firearms that they were talking about when they put this in was not a semi-automatic weapon or a handgun. It was something that took about two minutes to load up and, yeah. you know, it would fire like one round at a time. Um, and yeah. it was around the time where we were protecting our country regularly from, in that case, the British and, and later on, you know, other major countries, not like you know, being in the neighborhood and uh, or in the rural area for that matter and having to deal with, you know, something random that wasn't like someone trying to take over the country. Um, and, you know, it really, you know, makes you think like for as big and as bold as, you know, Americans like to claim themselves to be, um, we're really you know, kind of stuck in, in the mud when it comes to being progressive and doing what's best for, you know, everyone. It's like certain individuals and certain groups, you know, organized around, you know, uh, lack of, you know, gun control and, and lack of, uh, you know, care for folks who are living in really, you know, rougher areas. You know, they're only thinking about themselves. A lot of times they're thinking about the, the dollar bills. Um, and, you know, how many Sandy Hooks, how many Columbines, how many, you know, uh, you know, mass shootings do you have to have to make a change? And yet on the flip end, and I've seen a couple of memes about it because and, and they're true, you know, when it comes to something like voting rights, you know, they take one instance uh, or no instances at all and try to yeah. make it into a major, we need to change everything about how people can vote. We don't want to expand access. We want to restrict access to voting. If you can't show up in person, you can't show up at 9 a.m. or, you know, uh, you know to 7 p.m. Or, or 8 p.m., then your right to vote doesn't, you know, shouldn't be honored because you can't get a day off. You can't get off of work early. Uh, you can't get off of work and time to make this. But when it comes to guns, it's like, no, we don't need to change everything, um, yeah. change anything, even though, uh, you know, more people have been killed by guns than have ever, you know, been killed by voting a little bit later, by voting via mail, by registering to vote online, um, by, 
you know, going in a car with many people that you already go to church with and voting at the same time. These are like some of the restrictions that folks are trying to like put on to voting because they're in many cases salty because their side lost trying to already obstruct people and folks still came out in mass numbers. Um, But that being said, you know, still easier uh, to get a gun um, than it is to, you know, I think get a major push around. uh, Well, let me restate that. It's easier to have less rigid gun control laws than it is to actually have, you know, incorporating, uh, enticing, uh, inviting uh, voter, uh, you know, uh, you know, laws and and benefits. Um, So your vote doesn't matter, especially if you're black and brown uh, compared to, you know, how easy it is to, you know, to, to, to get a firearm, particularly one that is not for, you know, hunting. Um, and the only purpose is to shoot, uh, shoot and kill. Um, you know, we are definitely a very militarized, uh, country right now. We spend billions of dollars on war budget. Uh, we can't, you know, in, in defense budget, um, you know, it's like, a you know, that person who used to have like the, the, the Mustang car and you're like, okay, something is lacking. Uh, that's yeah. what a lot of America looks like for some, it's like, oh, you know, they must be compensating for something that they're lacking down there. If they always have to, you know, spend the most money on defense and they let anybody in their mom, you know, be able to carry for something. Yeah. And this is something that, you know, I mean, it, it comes down to, a handful of people with money and power who want to control this, this the, the narrative because, you know, the NRA wants to continue to sell guns and they're the first ones that say, oh, it's our it's our given right. It, it's it's a, a, a constitutional right to bear arms. And yeah, like you said earlier, yeah. Um, but this was prior to you having uh, uh, an automatic weapon that can shoot, you know, 60, 70, 100 rounds per, per, per minute and take multiple lives in an instant, you know, there has to be some regulation. There has to be some type of control. And like you said, when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to education, when it comes to housing people, when it comes to take, you know, um, the basic necessities of humans we have to vote and argue and fight and go on and on and on trying to get changed. But the minute it's about a firearm, all of a sudden it's like, nope, we're not doing that. You know, when, when we talk about um, elections, they have no problem trying to take people's, uh, the people's power away, which is kind of interesting. You know, the people put you into office and now you want to take their ability away to put anyone else later. Or to change that narrative or that status, you know. And at some point, I mean, I think we'll reach a point someday where just like drinking and driving was an issue for a long time that did not want to get addressed until you had like Mothers Against Drunk Driving and all these other um, individual programs, these programs that came out to fight for better laws or stricter laws against drinking and driving that, you know, eventually some of the things changed. But for years, nothing, you know, all you got was you got to ride to the police station. You would spend the night there. Once you, you know, slept it off, you know, they give you your keys in the morning and you went home. And, and you know, until people started to, you know, die as a result. And they realized that the numbers were getting higher. But the other thing was, and just like with this, some of the people that are impacted by these laws are the same people um, that are making them. For instance, you know, it is more likely to catch a politician drinking and driving or a judge or a doctor than your average person who's down the street at their corner bar. You know, so they're like, why would we create a law that's going to hurt us? And it's the same thing. You know, some of these individuals with power 
also have, and money have tons and tons of weaponry because their fear that one day we're going to get invaded or we're going to get, you know, people are going to rise up because that's a possibility that at some point, you know, there's a woman on, on, on Facebook somewhere. There's a picture of a woman somewhere on Facebook holding up a sign that says, um, when the poor weren't run out of food, they will eat the rich. And I think that there is a, a, a belief amongst the, the elites with the money that someday, you know what, people are going to get tired and they're going to, there's going to be an uprise and they want to be ready. They want to be ready to defend themselves or protect their property and make sure nobody comes to take it from them. But in the process, you know, we have, we have the nonsense that we deal with now where we have uneducated people. And I don't mean uneducated like, you know, college or, or high school. I'm talking about uneducated about guns, people who have lack of information or lack of knowledge about how to use a gun and how, you know, why you need a gun running around with guns. And in some cases, you know, anger sets in, whether it's road rage, whether it's an argument over a parking space, whether it's, you know, you left me and if I can't have you, nobody will. Those situations, you know, think about it. How many people would still be alive today? Had it not, how many people would be free today? Had it not been because they had a gun on them when they lost their temper. You know, I used to, um, I used to teach my kids that. And I used to, in the classroom, I would take um, masking tape and I would create a, um, a eight by 10 box in one, one corner of the room. And I would ask the kid who's usually the, the, the most, uh, um, rambunctious, let's say, you know, the, 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 the outspoken one. And I would say, do me a favor. Can you pull up a chair and go sit in that square for me? Just, you know, humor me. And like 10, 15 minutes in, you know, I would ignore him or her. And like 10, 15 minutes in, they're like, mister, what's up? How long do I have to sit here? What? And I said, are you uncomfortable? And they go, yeah, I don't understand what, you know, what, what, why do I have to be in here? And I said, mind you, you were there 10, 15 minutes and you were already bothered that you're sitting in that space. Imagine losing your temper and doing something where you take somebody's life and having to spend the rest of your life in that box. Yeah. You know, no movies, no girlfriends, no going out to eat, no, out, you know, not, just, you know, and it's something that people don't think about because, you know, you'll hear people tons of, tons of times say, I ain't scared to go to jail. I ain't afraid to go to jail. You know what? You should be. Because <laughs> it's not about what they're going to do to you. It's the fact that you have lost your freedom. Your ability to be you has been taken away from you. And some people don't understand that until it's too late. Then they want a second chance. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. It was an accident. Or as my kids used to say, by accident. It was by accident. But, you know, it's, it's, it's where we're at, man. It's unfortunate. Yeah. There's an image that I shared the other day on my social media, and it says, before you pull this trigger trying to prove a point, go sit in the bathroom for 23 hours and imagine doing this for the next 25 years. I mean, that's basically what you're getting when you wind up going to jail. I mean, I mean, I, I will refute what you say to a little bit, which is there are activities for folks to do in jail. You know, they do have yeah. movies and you can work out and you can play ball and all that. But in the end, you're being told to go into a cell that is just about as big as most people's bathroom. And you have probably a bunk bed set up and you have a, 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 a toilet and you have a washstand and that's your your home. For a foreseeable future, and and an and an, un an unpicked a roommate, and an unpicked roommate who who might hate your guts, yeah, and bars, um, but you know, you know, going back to what you were saying as far as the folks who are fearful that those who don't have are going to start taking, that's why we need to provide for folks to make sure that we don't get to the point. It's not even around fear factor. It's around human decency. If you don't want to feel the need to carry or always hoard these guns and the numbers that we see in this country, 
then we need to try to actually solve the reasons why, you know, individuals would actually use weapons to, you know, take, you know, what they want from people instead of using their words and their actions to actually do so. And America has been failing at that since its inception. We've always had the those who have and those who don't have. Uh, I apologize. There's a little construction going on, uh, you know, below me. So if you do hear some uh, drilling and some hammering, that's what it is. But we need to drill and hammer these systems that we have uh, <laughs> to ensure that folks get what they need so they aren't desperate. Um, you know, we have folks who have seen that, unfortunately, if they don't do it for themselves, um, that no one else is going to do it for them. What are they supposed to depend on the government? Are they supposed to depend on even their mom and dad in some cases? Um, you know, more often than it should be in a country with this much abundance, the answer is no, they have not been able to depend on government for sustenance. Um, they've had to depend on government to, you know, lock them up when they, particularly if they're black and brown, do anything wrong, especially compared to their white counterparts. But they can't, you know, there is no, you know, uh, you know, monthly living income for those who don't have. Um, we talk about it all the time. We, you know, have, you know, places in Philly, particularly, you know, in, in a place like Kensington, where folks are, you know, advocating against getting people access to a place to lay their head and yet complain about people laying their head on major arteries where businesses are supposed to be, you know, thriving. Like we put desperation into people to feel like they have to do what they have to do. And so what if, you know, I hurt somebody because we don't do a great job of protecting people in this country and giving them a baseline of security. You know, everyone should have access to food, clothing, and shelter. I mean, you know, the flip side of that, but not the, you know, the majority of people is there also does have to be some, I think, understanding that we can't have everything we want when we want it, where we want it, and how we want it all the time. But I think that the, that is few and far between compared to the abundance of folks who don't have it all um, asking for something to help them get back on their feet or get on their feet in the first place. And we as a country have to realize, despite all the success we've had, we can learn, you know, something from some of our, our you know, neighbors. fellow, you know, countries and, and neighbors in making sure that folks feel valued to the, so they don't have to steal for food. They don't have to steal for, you know, someplace to stay. They don't have to rob. They don't have to kill someone over something as minuscule as a parking space, as minuscule uh, as, you know, a plate of food, um, you know, for, you know, what drug money turns out to be. Uh, which for most folks, you're not, you know, you know, the the, the corner hustler is not, you know, uh, the, the, the drug kingpin. The corner hustler is trying to pay bills. Um, maybe that was the first thing they gravitated to because where they're from, that's all they see. Uh, and in other cases, it's because they might have tried. But because going back to our list, they are ex-felon, um, they don't get the opportunity to work. Uh, as easily uh, as as they should, because they have a past uh, and they're being judged during their past instead of being prepared uh, uh, for and judged on what their future could be. So, you know, it's like once you get in a, in a hole, you know, we have an amazing ability in America uh, to keep people in the hole. And I would say some of it is, uh, you know, unintentional, but a lot of it, you know, especially when you think about the war on drugs and you think about obviously slavery, um, a lot of it has been very intentional over the years, um, over the centuries, um, over the generations. And it's like, you know, we need, you know, people with backbones, um, you know, who are poked and prodded uh, you know, people in power with backbones 
who are being poked and prided by people in communities that are actually suffering through all of this um, to continue to push that agenda forward towards equality uh, and a host of different levels so it doesn't get down to a point where folks feel like they need to lash out with deadly force. But no, yeah, I mean, you know, we have we have a long way we have a long way to go still in this country when it comes to that. I mean, and I think it's it's going to be an uphill battle. I, I think eventually we're going to see some change, but it's like you said, it's going to take some people with backbones and and some and some high um, in some high places with political power, or it's going to take a movement of people to say enough is enough, and you know. And 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 literally stand up and make some changes for this to change, man. Because um, I mean, too many, too many, too many lives have been lost in this country to just nonsense, man. Like ridiculous. You know, you stepped on my shoes. I wanted your sneakers. You know, I wanted his cell phone. He looked at me the wrong way. He took my parking space. Um, just ridiculous things man i mean look what when was it um i think it was in 2019 when popeyes came back out with their chicken sandwich dude killed somebody right. because he he got in line in front of him he cut the line you killed somebody for a freaking chicken sandwich that man's life is lost and yours is over because you're gonna be in prison the rest of your life over a space in line for sandwich. a chicken sandwich Right. And how do you go to jail with that type of, oh, what did you do, dog? Oh, you know, I, I, I killed somebody. What did they do? They they messed with your family? Like, no, they, they jumped in, in line they when I was in at line ahead of my chicken sandwich. That, that, yeah. And that's trying to get that new chicken sandwich. Yeah. And that's something that just, it just, like, people don't think about that. Like, think about that. You took, somebody's life over a space in line for a sandwich, <laughs> you know, or you took somebody's life because they took your parking space or you took theirs, you know, and they were upset. It was an argument. You know, you, you're able to, the, the, the scary part today is it's, it's even hard to disagree with people today because I mean, I, I was watching this, 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 um, series of videos uh the other day online and it was like you know ridiculous road rage and showing people like i was like what are you what are you doing like they're attacking each other and they're destroying cars and running into each other because the person cut them off and it's like i mean we've gone we've gotten there we're we're there where you want to kill somebody because they got in front of you in the highway or they didn't move fast enough or they almost ran into you. That's why they're called accidents. That's why you have insurance. You know, if everybody was mindful of the way they drive, we probably would have less accidents. But like I've said before, it's the one thing that everybody does over and over and over and they still can't get it right. And that's driving, you know, but the senseless acts of violence, and gun violence as a result of pettiness, it's just ridiculous, man. It is really ridiculous. It is. And I also wanted to note that, you know, I think there's also just a difference in like how people do things. Like it's one thing to like, you know, decide that, you know, a person doesn't need to be here anymore. And no one is saying that that is right, nor do we condone that type of thought. I think everyone should be here and we should do everything in our power to make sure through policy, uh, you know, and other actions that, you know, we do ramp up, you know, how people get access to firearms and the like. But I will also say just to, when you talk about like involving people that aren't, you know, aren't involved at all, that just seems to have ramped up a lot more, you know, in our lifetimes. I mean, you know, 
I give the example, you know, you know, back in the day, it seemed like, you know, someone was going to get hurt. They weren't going to get hurt in front of their, their, their kids and, and their family, you know, yeah. you catch someone when they were, were slipping by themselves, you catch them at night, you catch them when no one else was around and you would do something to them. Not saying yeah. it was right to do, but there was a tact to what you did that I'm just not seeing or hearing about anymore. I'm seeing crossfires in neighborhood blocks. I'm seeing kids playing basketball and, you know, someone who is trying to shoot somebody while folks are playing 515 B-ball or, or on the baseball diamond. Um, I'm seeing like birthday parties with, you know, two-year-old kids getting shot, you know, you know, people shooting on like blocks with like 60 people outside. Like, you know, dirt is dirt and, you know, dirt can stay in dirt's place. But now folks are like putting their dirt all out in the communities. There's no tact to even doing bad stuff. And I yeah. would say growing up, there always seemed to be at least a little admonishment that what I'm doing is not right. And even if it's not, even if it's right in my head, I'm not going to do it in this way at this time, because there are a whole bunch of other folks that might be in jeopardy if I do it this way. And that is being lost right now. There's just people straight wilding out in broad daylight with children and families around. Um, you know, outside of bodegas, you know, on major strips, just going, you know, crazy uh, and not only jeopardizing the intended person's life, um, but also taking out folks who had nothing to do with it. You know, yeah. like it, it's really punky to to like just, you know, do that. Um, and, and, you know, I didn't see that when I was growing up and I, I, and I know, you know, given our conversations, it was just a different, you know, a, a different way of doing things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I um, <clears throat> I mean, I just, uh, you know, in, I guess we can start closing it out, but just so that, you know, just re to remind folks, I mean, you know, we have to, we have to at some point, because you mentioned basketball and there's been plenty of shootings where somebody got pissed off at something that happened on the, in the, on the court while they were playing, you know, but, and it's just reminding folks to take a moment to step back and always think, you know, it's that whole um, uh, think twice mentality, you know, move, think twice, move, move once, you know, and, and just, mm -hmm. we need to, at some point, and I try to say this to people a lot where I tell them, you know, you have to pick and choose which battles you're going to fight and which ones you need to walk away from. You can't fight everything all the time, you know, you have to at least stop and think about what is, what am I getting into? Is it even worth it? And so everybody thinks if I don't respond like this, then I'm going to be looked as a coward, but it actually takes more strength to actually walk away from a situation and just leave it alone than it does to just, you know, respond with violence. Because like we've said before, Nine times out of 10, the person hasn't thought out the consequences of what's going to happen. They're just acting. They're responding. And then afterwards, then there's, in some cases, there's a sense of remorse. And now I want to be forgiven or I want to get a break or why, you know, why are you going to give me so much time if, um, you know, I didn't mean to, or I was defending myself or I, I lost my temper. Yeah, but that's the problem. You know, people, people do, and, and we have a responsibility, right? We have a responsibility as parents, as siblings, as uncles and aunts to check those younger folks and let them know early on, listen, if you do A, you're going to get Z, you know, because sometimes it's not as simple as A and B. There's a little distance behind it. And, and, you know, and we have a responsibility to constantly remind people, yo, you know, every action has a reaction. You're going to get a consequence. These are the potential consequences, you know? And like one of the ones I used to teach the kids was about throwing rocks in the neighborhood. And I used to say to them, when you're walking home from school, is it, should, should you be throwing rocks at people and whatnot? And they go, no. And I asked them and they said, well, you could hit a car. You could break a window. You could break a car window. You might hit the wrong person, all these things. And I go, okay. 
So you see me walking down the street after school and you decide you're going to throw a rock at me anyway. You miss and you break a window, you damage a car. Was that an accident? And some of them still say yes, but some of them would say no. And I say, why not? And they go, because you already knew you weren't supposed to be throwing rocks in the first place. So there's a there's an understanding, you know, of the of wrong. There's an understanding. We all know. I don't care how old you are. Well, anybody over 10 years old, let's say, knows that if you fire a gun at somebody and you kill them, you're probably going to jail. You know, that's just a given. But yet people still do. And then they want a different response for a consequence, you know, and it's because they've not understood consequences growing up. You know, there is a reason why um, some of us grew up, you know, knowing better. Somebody posted on Facebook a picture the other day and it had a belt, a sandal, a switch from a tree, an extension cord and a broomstick. And it says, this is the reason why some of us have lived this long. Because sometimes somebody checked you. And yeah, now it's all child abuse. But some of us, a good ass whooping kept us in line. And taught us, you know what? You do stuff, there's consequences. You know, we want to we hold everybody's hand and, and you don't want to punish anybody. Can't punish anybody. Can't punish anybody until they do something. And then it's like, well, you know, I don't know what else I could have done. You could have checked them. You know, I'm not saying beat the nonsense out of somebody to where you make them bleed and you bruise them. But a good spank in the ass never hurt anybody. Technically, <laughs> you know, but we are we are there. Yeah. And my thing is, if you're not there because, you know, I didn't have to have hands laid on me. But if you're not going to lay hands on someone, which I can understand to a point, you recognize that your words have to be powerful. Your words have to be able to move mountains. And I think a lot of times, you know, we can blame the system. We can blame the lack of, uh, you know, regulations, you know, but a lot of times, like the reason why folks think that they can do things and get away with it or they're willing to take the consequence is because they haven't been given that tough love they haven't had to have, or they haven't had those hard conversations. Um, You know, it starts with giving folks regular responsibility. Like do kids still get chores? You know, are kids made to come in at certain times? Are they made to contribute to more than just their own well-being, but the well-being of the household? Um, It's really uh, frustrating um, you know, to see, you know, folks do what they want to do and then get mad when you check them. But it's something that needs to be done more often. And I definitely think all this is in relation to harm reduction. You know, yeah. it's in relation to risk reduction. Um, you know, you know, if you're not going to get in, in the ass, you know, physically, then you definitely need to be willing to get in people's ass uh, mentally and verbally. Um, you know, yeah. remember as a, as a parent, remember as, you know, a mentor, as someone that is, you know, trying to bring up someone. It's not about giving people what they want, when they want it, how they want it, where they want it all the time. It's about, you know, keeping them um, the most upright and the most ready, you know, for when situations happen. And that comes with giving folks responsibility you know, under making them understand that there's consequences um, for all their actions. And, you know, I think raising them to be responsible um, individuals. And, you know, we can change so many things outside of the home, uh, but what we definitely need to think about and change as well for those whose homes it's not happening in is, you know, that, you know, I'm going to raise you to be the best person you can, not when I'm looking, but when I'm not looking. Um, You know, I don't want to get a bad report when you go home. Yeah. It's about accountability, too. You know, too many kids, they hear, you better stop or else. You better stop or else. You better stop or else. But or else never happens. And then, you know, this is, we used to, we used to have to deal with this in the schools, you know, in the classroom, because we would say to the kid, 
you better stop or else this is going to happen. And then they would continue and the, and the, you know, the, 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 or else would come down on them. And then they would get upset. Why are you doing that? I, I told you. And it's like, you know, the problem is that you hear at home so often, you better stop or else and or else never happens that when the rest of the world holds you accountable, you don't know how to respond to it or how to take it because, well, they don't never, there is no or else at home. It's just a constant, you better stop or else, you know? And accountability is something that, like you said, if you're not going to put your hands on somebody to straighten them out, then you, you better have some firm words and you better have some way to back that up that if you don't listen and you don't follow directions, these are going to be the consequences and have consequences and put them in place and hold up to them. You know, it's the same thing with guns, like we were talking about, you know, and I, I'm, I'll finish up here, but, you know, if you're going to give somebody a gun, there has to be some follow-up. There has to be some consequence that if, if it's misused, mis, mishandled, you know, um, how you call it, misstored, whatever. You need to be able to have that check-in once a year and have that person either come in and show that they still have it or have somebody visit the house to make sure that that gun is still where it's supposed to be and it's being used the way it's supposed to be. If there's no accountability, then people are going to run around, they're going to run amok and do whatever the hell they want whenever they want because there is no accountability. So, you know, and with that, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's really all about accountability and their accountability on many levels, you know, to bring it back to some of our normal topics. You know, accountability is if you don't want people on the streets, then you give them a place to get off the streets, too. Um, and similar, you know, we need, uh, you know, gun, you know, control and, you know, contracts with those who are, you know, uh, carrying. Um, that holds them accountable, just like we would, you know, if they were, you know, in, in possession of children. You know, when you say like doing home visits, you know, you could get folks plenty of jobs, you know, out here if, you know, A, you know, there was a fee for carrying a gun on a regular basis, like a fishing license, you know, uh, proposes. Yeah. But B, there was also regular check ins, you know, in homes with guns, um, you know, to make sure that everything is safe and that it's in where it's supposed to be. Like there's some creative ideas that we can have around redoing some of the processes we have that will make things safer and protect more people. I don't want people who, you know, can't furnish a gun and use it correctly or don't know who they want to use it on and know exactly who they want to use it on um, to have access to that. And we're seeing right now that for a host of reasons, including how we treat people, how we set people up to survive and not thrive, um, that there are a lot of people who feel desperate times mean desperate measures. And if they can get access to those life changing and life ending uh, means, they're going to do so. And, you know, we're going to be up Shit's Creek without a paddle. So. You know, it's both on an individual level, starting when you're really young with, you know, who is raising you. It, it, it certainly moves to a societal level where people in society, uh, people in your neighborhood need to let folks know that certain things are acceptable and certain things are not acceptable. But it also, I think, falls on being able to, you know, depend on systems to protect um through not just gun policy, but policy on how we deal with people who don't have compared to people who do have to make a more well-rounded community and one that protects each other at all times. There's always going to be rogue people. There's always going to be people who take it to the furthest extreme and are going to challenge the systems that we have. But what we're seeing now is the system is challenged way too often because we don't have all of those different processes in line that helps people feel protected. Uh, we don't have, you know, checkups on, on people. We let certain people go to the fringe. We let certain people stay in abundance. And this is why we have, you know, all the problems that we have, gun violence in Philadelphia and nationwide, 
being a major problem. Let's look to our neighbors. Let's figure out how we can find solutions that, you know, you know, or in the middle or maybe a little bit more on the liberal side, maybe even start with something that's even more on the conservative, but towards the middle side of it. And let's like work to really make some positive change uh, in the communities um, that we live in and beyond. So amen. this is a topic we will, you know, be resurfacing because it's not ending anytime soon. Um, definitely have one person in particular who is, you know, the maybe three of the team that will be coming on soon to discuss uh, their intimate work uh, working with victims of gun violence yes. and uh, victims who have or families who have lost family due to homicide. Um, but just wanted to, you know, share that old school list that we had and kind of expound upon it a little bit, put it to use a little bit and have, you know, some hard conversations, those hard conversations uh, for this episode of the podcast. So with that, we are going to wrap up for this session. Uh, I am Clayton Rooley. And I'm Elvis Rosado. We will see you next time on Those Hard Conversations, a.k.a. THC. Like us on social media and we will talk to you later. Everyone be safe, take care of yourself and take care of others. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to THC. Follow us on Facebook at Those Hard Conversations. Or visit our website at thosehardconversations.com.